Another one of our sponsors I'm excited to tell you about is actually another podcast. It's called People of Product. And it's really about kind of highlighting the way people come together in innovative ways and create all the digital products that seem to be in every part of our lives. And what I think I like the most is that these guys are speaking from experience. You know, we had George Brooks on our show. And besides that, he's like a really genuine human being, just super knowledgeable at creating way more effective teams to get this kind of stuff done. And I really can't recommend it enough. You can find them anywhere that you get your podcasts and I recommend you checking out People of Product. So longtime listeners of the show will probably remember Jay Davis, who's been on a number of times. Well, in addition to being a friend and a consulting client, I'm excited to say now that he's also a sponsor of this show. Last year, when I was spending a lot of time at his company's office, he started a new company called PillowCube, which is this awesome memory foam rectangle pillow. That's tall enough for me to be a side sleeper, but not have to have my head sag down like when I try to fold over my regular pillows. It's really pretty amazing, and for any side sleepers like me, it's great so we don't have to wake up with shoulder pain. On top of that, it's been really fun for me to see him have so much success because it's been selling like crazy. Anyways, if you're a side sleeper, I highly recommend going to pillowcube.com and getting one for yourself. Yeah, it was like top floor was like the hotel rooms. And again, I say hotel, but if you go there, you'd be like, oh, like I'm camping in Cambodia and I happen to have like a cement wall. So it's it's pretty, it's pretty Spartan. But, you know, you would call it a hotel and on top it was yeah, hotel rooms. And on the bottom floor, you had classrooms. And when nobody's there, the kids can use it to, you know, just to study and to, it's kind of like this multi-purpose building, we called it. And, you know, doing that project is, looking back, it, it's like, Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today, I'm excited. I get to have one of the most enthusiastic people I've ever met in my life on the show, my good friend, Scott Stonehawker. Scotty boy, thanks for doing this. Hey, my pleasure. So glad that we can catch up with a podcast. Yeah, this this is fun. So, you know, last time you and I talked, you were uh, you were taking over the country of France for, for Intuit and expanding that product like like crazy. But But tell us about what you're up to now. So I had a great experience with Intuit in France for the last four and a half years as we launched QuickBooks in from Paris to the French market. So lots of good stories we could share about that. But the big change recently is making the switch from, from QuickBooks and Intuit to a program called Chance.co. And so it's a French company, French startup. There's about 30 of us and they're doing something that just kind of got me pumped up. So they're, they've, they've gone from being a nonprofit that was funded by google.org and switched to a for-profit business to try and scale the whole process of helping people find a job they love. So in French, the, the term they use is orientation. And so some people talk about kind of a, a job conversion or kind of a reorientation, but it's, it's this great program that includes coaching sessions with real certified coaches and this part of auto coaching which is kind of like the whole method behind chance where you do introspection and you figure out what your strengths and your motors are and you go through an exploration phase and then you you validate your ideas and come up with a project that you can take on to, to take the next step you know and, and take action on what you should be doing to find your next career or find that you realize you love your career and you're going to stay in it so it's uh 
it could just help people realize they're actually in the right spot or, or give them the boost to, uh, to take on a new adventure. Yeah. Well, I want to hear more about it. I, we haven't, we haven't caught up since you made the change. So, but before that, let, let's talk about some of these successes. So, you know, a little later in life, you go back and do your MBA, head out to Silicon Valley for Intuit and then, and then get on this team. How did that work? I don't know if we've ever talked about it. How did that work for the, like, Hey, by the way, you're a Canadian. Don't you want to go to France? How did that pan out? Oh man, if if people who are listening to this only knew how critical you were in all of this, a long time ago eating Mexican food in Calgary on a cold winter's day, if you remember that, remember that lunch? And I remember the advice Salt you gave me pepper was- Salt pepper on McLeod. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I remember the advice you gave me was, find the person you want to be like doing something that you think you want to do and buy them lunch and ask them advice. And I've loved, loved, loved that advice. And it's been a game changer for me. And so if you look at my path from teaching to MBA, to Silicon Valley, to France, it's been quite the adventure. And I think a lot of it has been from, you know, that desire to learn and grow and kind of fast track my own experience and, and do it by finding great mentors along the way who are willing to let me buy them lunch. And I thank you to all the mentors out there who might be listening, who ended up buying me lunch, realizing I was just a poor student. That was great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the, you know, when I was at Intuit, it had been, so post MBA, uh, it was kind of like buffet land in, in the MBA program, as I call it, where you don't know what's really out there and you don't know what's good and what's kind of cruddy. And so you want to taste a little bit of everything as quick as possible to see what you want to go back more, you know, go back for and get more of. And maybe even once you find something you love, like maybe that buffet isn't the best place to eat that. And so you want to find kind of the fine dining of that thing. And I felt like my MBA was kind of that experience where it was buffet land and I'm meeting with people and I'm trying to understand what business is and uh, where I thought I would be maybe a good fit. And then of course, once you zero in on that section of the buffet, it was like, okay, well, hmm, where's the best place to get this experience? And what ended up happening through that process was landing in product management. And uh, I remember being on a hike in, in Yosemite. Somebody was telling me about their job. And I was like, huh, that kind of sounds like my job. I'm like, what's your job title? He's like, oh, I'm a product manager. I'm like, huh, can I tell you what I do at work? This is at Big Monocle when I was working on a bunch of different projects. Like, can I tell you about what my job is? And you tell me what I am. And uh, he's like, okay. So we're just hiking along. And I'm like, here's what I do. I, I work with designers. I work with engineers. And we create this roadmap. And we build, we build and test. And it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, you sound like a product manager. And so it was kind of a key moment for me where I was like, I guess I'm a product manager. I want <laughs> to eat more of that. And I want to become, you know, I want to do some fine dining in the land of product management. And that's what led to Intuit, which is such a great place, a great culture of friendly, smart people who are super, super customer obsessed. And so I landed it into it and uh, had a, you know, a great experience there in Mountain View in California. And then one day, somebody who, in following Jess Larson's advice to buy somebody lunch and ask them advice, I, uh, I bought lunch. I didn't even buy lunch for him. I think we just sat down in a corner of campus at Intuit, but it was Alco who was, you know, who was at Intuit and, and became a great mentor and he's a great friend. And he said, hey, you speak French. You should think about, you should think about France. I remember kind of having that moment where you're like, oh, I think this is one of those moments that's bigger than I realize. And uh, a couple months later, I thought it was a couple of years later that he was thinking a couple months later through a series of, uh, a series of kind of coincidences, 
it worked out that the doors opened up for me to go to, to go to France. And I'd just been married for three months. And I came home to my wife and said, hey, you, you want to move to Paris? And she just looked at me and laughed and was like, I feel like I would be living someone else's dream. Like, this isn't my dream to be the girl that goes to Paris. And we laughed about it. It's like, well, okay, well, let's think about it. And uh, three months later, we were jumping on a plane looking for apartments in Paris. And, and we took on that adventure in France, which was for me, a great chance to do product at a great product place into it in a great culture, but take on kind of that startup challenge in a very kind of scrappy, challenging environment that, you know, add complexity to the challenges. Yeah. You know, I mean, QuickBooks is so ubiquitous here, but I mean, did you guys have any users in France or what, what was the existence like before you got there? Uh, 163, I think is what it was. So, and, and how, was, how long were you with Intuit in France? So for four and a half years with Intuit in and, France. And, so what got, did you, and are you allowed to say what you got the users to? I, I, I don't think I can say, but let's just say that NPS was in the basement. You know, we call you know PRS, the product recommendation score was was very, very much in the basement, and we were able to get it out of the basement. And you know, that negative voice of customer, the detractors, we had a lot of that and we weren't compliant. You know, there was just like you just kind of dump a US product into France and you expect with a few tweaks it'll work and you realize you have to rip out. You know, the chart of accounts is different, the VAT is different, the yeah, the tax is different. So you got a whole VAT thing to build and all these things that are kind of core to the product that like you can't even, US, you create an invoice and you mess it up. So you just delete it and you create another one. In France, you go to jail for that. And so it's like, how do you take a product that's so flexible and make it good? So we went from a beta basically to, you know, to a great product with, with product market fit and you know, still a long road ahead as you okay. adapt. Can you really give us some sort of, because I know you had some big success. Give us some sort of a sense of like, and it really oh, took off. I mean, it sounds funny, Cynic. It just feels like you're in the trenches all day. But in some sense, you know, I think I was the 15th person at the office. And, uh, you know, when I just recently changed, we have over 80 people in that office. So you kind of get a feel for the growth. NPS, I think we had kind of a like a plus 30, plus 40 lift on our, on our NPS score. When you look at the customer base, I mean, I think we, we grew like 250x sort of thing. So it was... Uh, you, um, it, it was like, it's funny because I still like, I still, I know how much work there still is left to do. So it's hard to even just like, even though I'm not there anymore, it's hard to celebrate because you're like, okay, but we still have to do this and this and this to like, to, to win. And there's lots of competition, but for, for kind well, of taking like, taking a tank that didn't have any, it didn't have an engine and uh, getting an engine in there and getting that thing uh, rolling. You know, I think we, yeah. I think we got there and we did it with, you know, really a lot of fun kind of customer obsession and uh, kind of this customer centric approach that made the whole experience uh, way more fun. Sure. Well, I know you and you're like, you know, ever since we, I remember meeting as like a 15 year old and you're like the Pied Piper have like an entourage. Everybody wants to hang out with Scott. So I'm sure that chance has hired you because they're hoping you can help them 250 X their user base. But, but why make the shift? What was it about chance that you're like, Oh, I think this is a place for me. Man. It's, 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 this is ther this therapy. This is like group therapy. And I don't know who else is in the group right now. But, <laughs> by, by the way, do you realize you've known each other for like 25 years now? That's so 26 crazy years. That. 27. Yeah. That's funny, right? That's wild. You know, yeah, we have, there's so much to catch up on, but why the change for me, like it's still a little raw because that, that team that we built this product with into it, France, 
like, like it's like family. You know, we'd go on vacation together. We, you know, we went to Morocco with team members and we we're having, like, it's like family. Everybody knows my wife, Becky, and they, they ask how she's doing before they ask how I'm doing. And we all know each other's, you know, partner's names and kids' names. It's just a really tight family feel. And so it's kind of odd to leave something like that, especially in a pandemic too. Like it doesn't really make sense. But for me, it was, it was the, the chance to kind of shake things up. Like I'd been there for four and a half years. And in the spirit of taking on more hard challenges, really getting out of your comfort zone, I've done a great job at that. I've gotten out of my comfort zone in a major way and jumped into you know, a, new, a new business where- how, how big is the team at Chance? So the, the team, we're around 30 people right now. And so it's going from something, you know, we had 80 some added into it, but you got the whole global organization and into its big company. So it's, it's definitely a jump from big and structured, even though we were in startup land, the startup version of, of Intuit, it's a jump to kind of a little more chaos, a little less organization, a lot more urgency. And, and what was really, it about really, them that you liked? Yeah, it's the social mission. Like it's, I remember when I went, when I went back to, you remember back in the day when, so I was teaching in Calgary and started that charitable, charitable organization. And we did that project in Cambodia. I always kind of felt like I should use my, like whatever I learn and whatever I do, I should use those skills to serve others and to do good at scale. And so I always kind of had the back in the back of my mind. Let's pause for one second because the people listening to this don't know about that project. And I love that project. Will you tell people what you did in Cambodia? Yeah, this is, this is funny because it is like eating the Mexican food together in Calgary, but uh, we got to give a little more context. So that, that project real quick was my parents had done some humanitarian work in Cambodia and Honduras and, and a few different places around the world. We had Cambodian refugees when I was seven years old. We had a couple live at our house for six months because my parents saw the need and you know, we just loved this family. And so it kind of opened our eyes to some of the atrocities that had happened in Cambodia and, and just that culture. And, you know, we just love this family. So we kind of grew up with that. And then my parents started doing humanitarian work. And I just had this feeling like, ah, I've been given so much. Like I should, I should really be thinking of others and see what I can use my skills to, to do, you know, see if I can do something good for other people and had this idea of a project in mind. So I ended up starting this little, little charitable organization called Same, Same, But Different. And we raised a hundred thousand and built this hotel on the, the site of this children's home. So any of the groups that would come to do work there and work with these kids, whether they be doctors or English teachers or whatever kind of other humanitarian groups would come, they'd have a place to stay where there were classrooms and a place to stay. And then that could generate revenue for the organization there and they could send kids to university. So the idea was, I'd love to do a project. I don't want to run it for the rest of my life, but if we can give them something that like, you know, the harder they work at running it and making it more efficient, the more they can earn to send more kids to university. And that is the gap that if you bridge that in Cambodia, take somebody from a high school education to a university education, it changes their earning potential. It changes the whole trajectory of their careers and their life. And so, you know, looking, so it was, it was a great, it was a great experience. And you know, thanks to all me, the people that donated. Didn't you break it up? Didn't you break it up by floors? Like this floor was a hotel, this floor is a school, this floor kids live at. How did that work? Yeah, it was like top floor was like the hotel rooms. And again, I say hotel, but if you go there, you'd be like, oh, like I'm camping in Cambodia, and I happen to have like a cement wall. <laughs> so it's it's pretty it's pretty Spartan. But you know, you would call it a hotel, and on the top it was yeah hotel rooms, and then on the bottom floor you had classrooms, and when nobody's there, the kids can use it to you know, just to study and to, it's kind of like this multi-purpose building, we called it. And, you know, doing that project is, looking back, it, it's like, 
it was like you wouldn't win any prizes for like the best executed project or the best like it was pretty a little rough around the edges because like I didn't know what I was doing but same thing like you'd, you'd always told me like find somebody who knows you know is the expert in whatever you're looking for what you want to be doing and buy them lunch and so I would buy people lunch who had done fundraising be like hey like how did you fundraise I'd buy lunch for people who had done other charitable organizations and like hey like how do you how do you build a building in another country? And they're like, oh, you got to avoid the drug cartels. You got to avoid the government because they'll just come take it away in certain countries. And like, oh, okay. So you're taking notes like, okay, avoid death, avoid, you know, having your project taken away. And it was that process. So it was a bit like, it was a bit ugly. You could say it wasn't the most efficient, but it was an amazing learning experience for me and to be able to just try and just try and pull something off. And then in the end, you know, it's, we still send a couple kids to school each year. So it's not the most efficient, but it's but it's a cool project that has inspired some of the other decisions that I've made in the future. Well, and what I love about it, and I know we got five minutes here, whatever. So I'll watch that. But what I love about it is unlike the majority of broken nonprofit world, which is a never ending fundraising thing, this idea of having like building the income source into the project so that it can continue to self-fund, I just think is is... Simple, but genius. It was probably your idea. If I, <laughs> it, it might've been, it was probably. No way. It was questions. not my idea. <laughs> it was not my idea, but I loved it ever since you told me about it. Thank you. It was, you know, a lot of people contributed to this and yeah. And then that's like, if you think about now the decision, it's, you know, personally, I wanted to kind of fast track my own general management experience and, and do it in a way where you're leading with product, but you have more of that general management exposure. So working directly with the CEO and working to scale teams, you know, like scaling something even more, scaling the product, but also scaling the teams and growing the competencies among the teams. These are some of the things that were important to me as I thought about changing jobs. And, and I think the cherry on the cake is this, is this social impact mission. Like the first few weeks working at Chance, it's, hey, like everybody's going to jump on and do sales calls. So we had all these people signing up to have appointments to hear about Chance and, and pay for the program. And so I'm brand new and it's like, hey, Martin, nice to meet you. Like, this is Scott. I'm not a sales guy. I'm the product guy, but I'd love to hear what you're, what you're looking for. And so we all jumped on these calls and you know, I've been working with accountants and small business owners for the last couple of years and they're great. But man, when you talk, about some, talk to somebody who's looking to make a, a shift in their life or find something that matches more with their drivers and their strengths, it's like an immediate therapy session. They just open up. And, and share what they're looking for. And, and for me, the aha moment was like, this is cool. We actually have an experience that we can give them that will help them go through that phase of like thinking about what they're good at and what they don't want to do and overcoming their limiting beliefs and, and, and like eventually get there and go through that process to, to find something that they're just super excited about. And so for me, I was like, this is cool. We've got product market fit already with like, it was kind of V1. And so super exciting to think what we can do over the coming months. What what advantages do you have com coming off, you know, the Google funding or, or having, you know, Google involved earlier? Look at um, the chance.co website. You can see the, the list of advisors they have and the people who have, you know, who are funding chance. So google.org, that support early on, you know, there's a great, it's like a great stamp of approval that we're onto something good, that you've got uh, potential and that you're onto something good. So that's nice. But you also have access to, to mentors and people to help grow the, the capability of our own team. And so what I see is kind of really cool about Chance is that our CEO has got a gift for bringing together kind of the best of the best. You know, if you need a certain advisor, he's got that, that person. If you 
you know, Muhammad Yunus is our honorary president. And so you've got the guru of uh, microfinancing who believes in it. And so whether it be google.org or- This you know, is, I'm on the website. You got like, you know, former head of IBM France, co-founder of co-founder of Jawbone, head of content at Headspace. Like, you know, these are legit, yeah. these are legit companies, legit individuals. Yeah, it's, um, that's, it gives a, it's cool because it's, I think it gives, it gives, it adds that legitimacy to it. But I think it's also a sign that like people see how much value you can bring to not only individuals, but a society. If you can, if you can get people from A to B and get them in a place where they're it, just super happy. Oh yeah. Is it only in French for now or what, what languages are you doing? Yeah. So it's just in French for now. And we'd love to, you know, nail the product market fit in France and then be able to offer it in, in other countries. So uh, right now it's in France. I think we even have a few people in Quebec using it. They, uh, everybody's like, Hey, we got another Canadian. And, um, <laughs> you know, do you have any other friends that want to try this in Canada? So right now it's, it's, it's that, and there's potential in, in like French speaking Africa or French speaking areas of the world, there's potential to kind of roll it out sooner than some of the other geographies. Well, it's, well, it's in French while we continue to develop the product, but yeah, it's, it's cool. One, maybe one thing to add is that's exciting about it is the product works really, really well for somebody who's got a great education and has had work experience and wants to change things up. You know, it works great. These people love the experience, but you should note that 25% of our users come from, you know, situations where they're working below minimum wage. And so we want to take that where not only does it work for people who kind of already have access to mentors and to a network and to education, but people who don't necessarily have a network or don't have um, access to people that'll take a chance on them, or even the, the ability to think about kind of beyond their, their daily routine and where they're kind of stuck. And so being able to help people who are in tough situations and run them through this coaching experience, you know, a mix of auto and real coaching and get into a better place is, is pretty, it's pretty compelling because you go, oh yeah, okay, we're, we could do some real good here. So it's fun. I know you've got to go here, so we'll let you go, but it must be fun to, to be doing something that you feel like matters at work. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is cool. There's a, uh, now that I've been here for a bit, there's, there's a lot of work. There's no shortage of work and, and problems and challenges to overcome. But uh, when you talk to users who, you know, talents who come to the platform and use the, the product, it's pretty inspiring. You go, oh, yeah, this is, uh, they need this and we can solve that pain and we're solving it today. And the things that we can do over the next uh, couple months and years, is pretty exciting. That's fun. Well, listen, let's, let's figure out a time. Have you back on for part two. Hey, thank you. You made my day. Thanks for taking time to just chat and connect. <laughs> and you make me come out of the grind of every day and, and uh, get excited again about what we're doing. So great to catch up. I look forward to round two. Okay. Love it.